Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am one of your hosts, Miss Nomoy. And I am the other host, Mr. Craigers. Yes, he is. And this tonight is episode 117 of Splatter Chatter and the first of the new year in Woo! 2024, in case you already forgot what year it is. Happy New Year! Do you remember in school when you'd come back from Christmas and you'd like get like like you'd write the la- like the previous year and people would be like you fucking idiot for like a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask. I was like, "Have you written the date wrong yet?" I have I have not written the date. <laughs> the date wrong. I have not actually even though I have had to write the date um a fair amount because I went to the dentist and I had to fill out paperwork as oh, yeah. you sometimes have to do. And I had a cavity. Um Boo. It's boo. It's my own fault. I'll be real. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it happens. It does. But anyway, yes, I have had to write the date, and I've been very consciously writing the correct date, because most of it's been on stuff that requires my signature. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you definitely, when you're an adult, you misdate things less, but it has definitely happened. But I've and not, it has more consequences. Yeah, then yeah, then like the spelling test on you know January fourth <laughs> when you come back to school. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I tonight I don't recall thus far in the new year writing twenty three instead of twenty four. So yeah, guess I must have just been real ready for twenty four. Yeah, already we're already off to a great start. We're definitely off to a great start. Um, we're still looking back a little bit at 2023, mm-hmm. especially for this episode, yes? Indeed. Yes, I guess we didn't even explain what we're doing tonight. Um, In this, the 117th episode, the first of the new year of 2024, we are doing a retrospective on 2023. As you know, we like to do a top 10 list at the end of every year. Um, and discuss and then we're gonna do a little look ahead at what's coming in 2024 which is is a fair amount uh i'd say to be excited for so yeah yeah i think so um yeah we've sort of in one form or another we've done um top 10 lists for uh the show for a while now whether on the website or on twitter um or in an actual episode. I t- I, one year we actually did a top 20 for 2020. <laughs> what? Yeah. We were, um, it was 2020. We were very bored. We were very bored. There was also a lot of really good horror that year. Yeah. That and was it like, was all easily accessible because everything got pushed to a uh, VOD. Yeah. Um, yeah. That and, and yeah. And so we've all, we've always sort of, Taking a look back one way or another, so we're going to do that again tonight. Um, but maybe first, like, what did you think of 2023 for horror in general? It's interesting because the year before was so strong. Mm-hmm. And I was actually thinking this year, I was like, this year wasn't bad, but it was definitely, like, there was less... I had less trouble, you know, putting stuff together or ranking things. Um, so, and that's why it's, like, exciting for 2024, because it was like, oh, I feel like we could get back to... 2021 numbers with uh with what's coming up i agree i 
it's not that I was like disappointed by 2023 horror, but like as I was looking back, I was like, okay, there is definitely a smaller number of titles that like right. really sort of blew me away or right. impressed me um, last year. And so while I would say it was on the weaker side compared to the last couple years, it wasn't a bad year, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I think it was definitely, it was also a more um, inventive year, I will say, for some of the stuff that came out, and at least for me, some of the stuff that I put on my list. Um, but Yeah, I think so too. I also found it to be kind of... Um, it, it seemed like a lot of stuff that was getting attention, like, in the horror community was, like, very commercial and mainstream. Like, there mm -hmm. wasn't too much. There definitely was, but it, it felt like there wasn't too much on, like, the indie side of things that, like, really mm -hmm. popped. Yeah, um, there was only a couple that, that popped, and neither of them got close to my top ten, so. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was kind of interesting like a good number of the ones that I have in my top 10 were like mainstream studio films um mm -hmm. but when I look back at maybe like 22 or 21 obviously definitely 20 it, it was the inverse right like it was more right. indie yeah, yeah. stuff um so I thought that was an interesting observation just as I was looking back yeah for sure <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's ebbs and flows. It, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some people, I feel like, oh, you know, they'll be like, this was like the theme of horror in 2023, and this was like what all the the big stuff was like really about. And I think that's interesting, but I also think we're too close to kind of do. Right. Like and, yeah, yeah, like people who try to do that, like you you can do that, like. I mean, a single year, it's easier to do that for, but, like, you know, we can now look back at, like, the last five years and say, this is what it is. And, you know, we're only now just sort of getting the effects of, like, what COVID is going to do to right. films and storytelling in general. Because I feel Absolutely. like so many things are starting to come out where you watch it and you're like, oh, this was definitely so-and-so's pandemic film. Yeah. Um, yes. So... Yeah, I think we need a little bit more distance. Um, but yeah, we're, I, th there's definitely trends that I feel like are starting to, to show up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, so I think what we decided we're going to do, we've, we each have, we've got our top 10 ready to go. Mm -hmm. I think we'll quickly go through the bottom half on each side. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we'll do a bit more of a proper look at each of our top fives. Then we'll settle on one that the other didn't see as like, hey, you must watch this. And then, yeah, we'll look ahead to 24. Sound good? Sounds good to me. <clears throat> and I feel like I did look at yours periodically throughout the year. And I remember like your top two or three. But beyond that, I don't really remember what was on your list. So good. <laughs> Hopefully some surprises. Yeah. Yeah, I I I feel like I was doing the same on Letterboxd. And then I like consciously like stopped looking at your list near the end of the year just for like this moment. Yeah. So Sweet. 
Will, would you like to kick us off with your number 10? Sure. So coming in at number 10 for me is um, the very pandemic-y, funny that we were just sort of talking about that, um, home invasion film Sick. Okay. Um, directed by John Himes. It um, actually is, you know, acknowledging the pandemic. It's one of those films, right? Mm-hmm. That we're starting to see films responding to the pandemic. This one does it directly. Uh, it's two college students who I, th- I think they're ro- no, they're not roommates, but they're friends. And they decide that they're going to spend quarantine at the ones um, like their f- the family lake house mm-hmm. for the one friend. That's so one like- house. Yeah, like super rich, whatever. And it's like, okay, rather than like being alone in our apartments or holing up in, you know, some tiny college apartment together, let's go to like a big, huge lake house. And so Mm -hmm. they do. Um, And they think that's where they'll be alone and they'll be able to ride out quarantine, but they're wrong. Um, Yes. And of course, there's some things at first where like um, the one friend like invites her boyfriend. Um, Because she's maybe a little less um, concerned about like the quarantine and yeah, and and that and and that causes some tension. And then there's an unexpected guest that shows up, and you know we have all these different elements. And then there's um, the actual sort of home invasion element that that comes into play, and it's and. It feels um, kind of slashery uh, yeah. because, um, fun fun note, it was written by the um, slasher maven himself, Kevin Williamson. I was going to guess before you even said, I was like, I bet you it was written by Kevin Williamson. <laughs> it sure was. Um, and he does a lot of nods to his own properties, Scream, and I know what you did last summer. Um there's also some Friday the 13th stuff in there because, you know, it's set at a lake house. Yeah. Um, but it's fun and it's suspenseful. There's a great chase scene. So that was my number 10. Nice. I don't know that one, so it's exciting. Uh, for my number 10, this is one you're familiar with and I believe most of our listeners will be, but it is coming in at number 10, Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor. Nice. Uh, written and directed by Stephen Cognetti. Um, the third film, or the fourth film in the um, Hell House series. Uh, for anyone out there who doesn't know, I feel like it's it's kind of a, a cult like a modern cult classic at this point um, amongst folks who watch a lot of indie horror and found found footage specifically but um, essentially it's uh, a Halloween night goes wrong at a um, or I guess it's opening night does it open on Halloween I can't remember it's like a couple days before Halloween I think I was say it would be real stupid if it opened on Halloween right anyway, it's, but a it's a haunted attraction horror. it's still weird yeah yeah it's a haunted attraction that a group of friends who like own a haunted attraction company together like millennials um you know open um like in world it's kind of an infamous thing because there's like footage from opening night where like there was a tragedy and a bunch of people died and you know no one's really sure what happened um 
it was very well done the first one very well received i also like the second one um but there is diminishing returns on them by the time you get to the third one things got a little goofy <laughs> with the mythologizing <laughs> um this fourth one is a it's a it it's a sequel prequel because it takes place after the events of the Hell House movies, but is about the sort of um, origins of, or connected origins of what goes on at the the um, Abaddon Hotel, which is the name of the the, the site of the the haunted attraction before they turn it into Hell House LLC. Um, and I thought it was very good. I thought it was a real fun um, return to like what made the first one so creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a while since we've had like a really good and very popular found footage film. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, few things are going to really beat how effective the first one was, but I thought this was a a real good a real good effort. I would. I'm not going to say too much because this is also on my list. Mm-hmm. But I would just say, yeah, it for me, this was the um, probably the scariest after the original. Because mm-hmm. I felt like it did really do a good job of going back to, like, the basics, in a, you know, yeah. in a large sense. Of course, there's more mythologizing and world building going on. but like It's less it's, stupid mythologizing. <laughs> it's less stupid mythologizing, and it's fairly straightforward in terms of, like, what's going on and why. Yeah. Um, so nice yeah yeah all right what's your number nine um coming in at number nine for me um i actually just watched the other night so we've got a oh yeah fresh fresh coming in under the wire um and that it is a um mexican uh and i think peruvian co-film uh the bone woman Oh, I, I, I was going to say I've seen that, but I think I've seen it on, like, I've, I've seen the poster of it on Letterboxd because you watched yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's pretty creepy. Um, it's, you know, story-wise, we've seen it a couple times. It's sort of a Rosemary's Baby situation. Um, our protagonist has had a tough time getting pregnant with her husband um but then they achieve they achieve what they've been dreaming for but weird things are starting to happen to um the main character as the pregnancy goes on turns out there's a curse she's been cursed or some like negative entity has attached itself to her Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know she has to sort of like navigate a dark you know seedy underbelly of like root magic and you know Mm -hmm. things outside of traditional religion to try and shake this this thing um off of her and i just found it like really effective and well told um it doesn't fall into a lot of like um cheap scares or tricks that i think other films using this sort of basic premise do a lot of the time um the characters were interesting uh there's some really creepy imagery and the ending is chef's kiss okay yeah all right 
How about your staff at number nine? At number nine, I think this is potentially on your list somewhere farther down. But for me, at number nine, I have Evil Dead Rise. Yeah! Written and directed by Lee Cronin. Um, I believe it's on your list somewhere, too. It is. So I won't go into too much detail. We obviously know um, Evil Dead stuff. Um, I think for me, the main thing is, is that while I didn't super love it as a Evil Dead film, like it wasn't like one of my favorites in that regard. I thought looking at it just as a sort of general horror film, it was very interesting, um, an interesting way to do a sort of escape, you know, home, not even like reverse home, that like reverse home invasion um, subgenre that you see where you know, people are trying to escape a uh, a dwelling. Yes. Obviously, a very pandemic movie. Um, but, um, yeah, I, en- I enjoyed it in that regard a lot. Nice. Yeah. Um, yes, that is, it is on my list later, so I'll reserve thoughts there. Um, and then my number eight is actually Hell House LLC Origins. Okay. I'm Michael Manor. Um, so we'll just quickly say, yeah, I love that it was sort of a ter- return to form for the Hell House franchise. Um, that team, like those those folks are just really good at like, they know how to scare you without it costing a ton, mm. which I just always find impressive. And um, without even the jump scare elements, like obviously those are in there a little bit, but it's more just... Yeah. It's more Playing about with, yeah. It's more about sense of dread. It's more about character, um, like and using the the found footage in a way that I feel like is honestly as effect like the closest thing to being as effective as Blair Witch was with like the way that they sort of use the elements in frame um, to to get you. Yeah, I feel like Stephen Cognetti is, like, clearly a student of, like, Blair Witch mm-hmm. and what it did right as a found footage film. And, like, he knows what he's doing in this particular, like, genre of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was very chilling. Yeah. That's exciting. All right, so number eight on your end would be number eight on my end is another one that i think is probably on your list somewhere i can't remember um but it's number eight on my end and i will not apologize for its inclusion in my top 10 horror of the year it is the pope's exorcist (laughs) directed by julius avery from a screenplay written by michael petroni and Evan, whose last name, I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce your last name. It's a very long Greek name. So I take full responsibility for not being able to that. pronounce that. So Pope's Exorcist didn't make the cut for me. Okay. <laughs> but I loved it. Yeah. And I still want to take this moment with you to talk about it. So please. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Pope's Exorcist is... A film, first of all, that within the first five minutes, Russell Crowe knows what movie he's in and what's <laughs> expected of him, and he just nails it. Um, yeah. It is about uh, Russell Crowe plays a, um, a a priest 
uh, Father Gabriel Amorth, um, who is the, first of all, supposedly a real, I mean, not supposedly, there is a real person. He is this person. Yes. Um, But was supposedly the Pope's personal exorcist. So they say. Hence uh, the title, Pope's Exorcist. And this takes place in the 80s. Um, As films like this go, he is called uh, out to help a family that's having a bit of a demon problem. Uh, This family is a mom and her two kids. A smidge of a demon problem. (laughs) A smidge of a demon. You know, like a a mouse or like a cockroach problem. Mm -hmm. Um, You call a Vatican. Um, And he's already on thin ice with the church already. Like, that's part of his deal is that they, like, really seem to kind of fucking hate this guy. But uh, he goes out there on his Vespa to um, help help out this family that they're, like, renovating an old abbey or castle or something. Um, I think it's an abbey in Spain. Or a monastery. Yeah, they're like, this family's moved, like, it's this, this this single mom with the two kids, I believe the father, he either passed away or, I think he passed away and he, like, left them this abbey for some reason. So they're trying to renovate it so they can sell it, um, and shit gets weird, um, especially with the, the young son, like, he obviously seems to be the one most affected, um, so they call the Pope's exorcist. Call the Pope's and, exorcist. And his little buddy, um, Father Esquivel, um, who's his, like, little, his, the Robin to his Batman. Um, and they show up and they, they do Pope's exorcisms. <laughs> they sure do. And at the end of the movie, after, I'm going to give this away because I really need to sell this to people. Like, there's going to be 15 of these, and I'm going to watch all 15. <laughs> yeah, um, so if you don't want to know, spoilers are ahead. But this is a yeah. great selling point. <laughs> um, When he finishes his exorcism, cleanses, you know, this this abbey is clean. And and all that other stuff. And leaves the family and heads on his Vespa. Heads on his Vespa back back to the Vatican. They're like, sir, we're putting together a team, kind of a la the Avengers. Take him into this like underground, like MIB bunker where all these little priests are running around with like a world map on the screen in the background or whatever. And they talk about like there's 199 other like locations where they believe like the demons of hell have escaped from and he's like all right well i guess we got some work to do and like smash cut to black the pope's exorcist will return (laughs) it's incredible wild wild i wish i i wish someone was filming me when the turn happened in that movie (laughs) and like it went from being standard exorcist because i saw it in theaters and it went from being standard exorcism film into like this like superhero <laughs> of, of horror, the yeah, kind of moment. Because I, I literally like, like my eyes went wide. I like looked around. <laughs> I was just like, "What is happening? Are we all experiencing this together?" Because. I, I was um, just like, I was doing like a dog head cock at one point. I was like, what is going on? But I was completely on board. I will watch 18 of these. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with Russell Crowe and his little buddy. 
um, Daniel Zavato. And that um, accent. Yes. Oh, my God. Russell Crowe. So his accent that he was doing in this, as we all know, Russell Crowe is Australian. He's pretending to be Italian, I believe. Um, yes. And uh, I don't know if any of y'all saw Thor Love and Thunder, but Russell Crowe cameos in that as Zeus. And does a very similar accent, and it's like all I could hear at the end. And like that character is meant to be like so like so hammy, and so it was just it's every like Russell Crowe and the last five to eight minutes of this movie are really what uh what sold it for me. Phenomenal. I was like, oh, it's this. This is what this movie is. I see. Well, because like you said, like he was very aware of like what he was working with. Mm Hmm played that to his advantage and it's just sort of like you know what let's yeah. ride this train well and it's so easy to be like oh my god another exorcism film another you know like really cheap version of the exorcist and they were like no no no, no. this yeah we've got an we've got an angle here um which kudos you know. to them they had the angle they leaned into it hard and now oh. yeah it has separated itself from the other sea of exorcism films it did and it also made a crap ton of money against its budget it was 18 million to make and it raked in about 77 million so yeah because i feel like there was a lot of these like people walked out of this movie being like okay that was not what i thought it was gonna end up being (laughs) and so there was this like really encouraging like word of mouth that went around and so like everyone was ended up sort of being like yeah the pope's exorcist fucking rocked um my favorite part is when they're like looking around the catacombs of the abbey and um uh daniel zavato's character is like oh it smells like sulfur and russell crowe's like it's because we're getting closer to hell (laughs) incredible i in like two movies someone else will make a comment like that and he'll be like it's because i farted yeah (laughs) keep up (laughs) <laughs> and I can't wait for that moment. Yeah. So anyway, that was my that was my number eight. Awesome. Do you have? Awesome. All right. So coming in at number seven for me, um, another sequel to a franchise that has prequel elements, um, and that is uh, Saw X, or oh, Saw that's X, right. Yeah. Um, or however one pronounces that the 10th installment in the saw franchise no five cream yeah it is it is a little bit five creamy um and much much like five cream or or, you know hell house origins i found saw x to be very return to form um it was um really sort of like emotional um obviously like good traps as always mm-hmm. um it's set between the first and the second films um i was which, gonna ask how they got him uh back in it yeah you know? yeah and so we're seeing tobin bell back as jigsaw on a live jigsaw not you know through mm-hmm. flashbacks or over tapes or on videos we also get the added bonus of shawnee smith back as amanda um Jigsaw's apprentice, and we get to actually see them work together in a really like nice, like really satisfying way because 
spoilers ahead if you don't know the Saw franchise, of course, listeners. But, like, you know, the second one, the twist is that Amanda is part of the game and she is his mm-hmm. apprentice. And by the third one, you know, their their relationship is deteriorating because she has sort of, like, lost her way. Mm-hmm impossible traps yeah she's she's fallen from the path as it were and so this was kind of cool because we see them they're still in sync like amanda is still like a true disciple of jigsaw but we of course we get those hints that like she has doubts and she's not going to be able to carry this through but like it was just it was nice and it was really interesting to see their relationship carry the movie um, and just have them sort of be the focus and the center and the heart of it all again. And of course, around us, we get, you know, you get all the oh shit moments and you got this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. Um, there's a hilarious moments involving someone's intestines, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. The twist is okay, but I think because of like everything else that was going on in the movie, it didn't really matter as much at that point. Um, so yeah, I was I was excited. I've always been a big Saw person. Kind of fell off it with some of the later entries in the franchise, but this was this was nice. This was very refreshing. So, nice. yeah. what do you got for number seven? Uh, number seven, I have uh, the. I feel like this one kind of um, got a little word of mouth on Twitter and that sort of thing around the same time that um, Talk to Me was kind of big. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have Cobweb, directed by Samuel Bowden. Yeah. Um, written by Chris Thomas Devlin. Um, it's not a perfect film. Um, it gets a bit derivative once you, and you know, it's kind of easy to see where it's going, um, and what it's trying to do. But it was very interesting in that it, how it sort of like was, um, it's sort of like the vibe of it was kind of fairy tale ish because you're kind of seeing the world through the eyes of this kid. So some of it was very surreal in that way, um, especially when it came to like the fact that it took place around Halloween. So like everything in that kind of felt very like, you know, just sort of like spooky fallish in the way that like things are described and, you know, in, in fairy tales and that sort of thing. Like, you know, the scene with the, the pumpkins in the backyard and um, just the entire vibe of it. But essentially the uh, synopsis of the film is um, this young, like eight, nine year old boy, 10 um, named Peter uh, is like living with his very creepy parents. um, One of which is played by Anthony Starr of um, uh, the boys so really lends to the creepiness but they're kind of weird they're kind of off-putting yes. and lizzie kaplan is the mom right yes yeah. um and they're very protective of him they're very um sort of trying to keep him very shut in almost he develops um a relationship like a, a friendship with his teacher um played by cleopatra coleman who like kind of notices things are off about him um and you through this start to learn some family secrets that um kind of become pretty obvious as soon as they're like revealed or as soon as you sort of hit the midway point um but it was very creepy like tone tone wise like the tone was doing a lot um 
for mm-hmm. a somewhat derivative story, but I thought it was refreshing to get that sort of, um, you know, like horror film, not afraid to dive into like the fantastical and the like magical realism elements and sort of just the whimsicalness of it. Not whimsical in that, like, you know, there's nothing light about this film, but like the whimsy of, of you know, like fall and, and dark Halloween. Fairy. Yeah, 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 it felt very much like um, it made uh, that Guillermo del Toro film about the yeah. tooth fairy. Yeah, like it felt like that. It it also reminded me like 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 if it was like like a live action Coraline, right? Yeah. In a way, um, like the, and that's what I remember a lot is like the vibes, you know, the yeah. atmosphere. It was like really on point. Yeah. So um, that was my number. We had seven. Seven. Nice. Yeah. Um. So for me, for number six, um, I have um, this was a this was an indie film. I think it was straight to Shutter. Um, but it was Curtis David Harder's Influencer. Mm, I've heard I've heard a few things about this one. It really surprised me. I was expecting something a little by the numbers um and i was clenching my butt cheeks throughout (laughs) this one it is tense um it's clever it it was just it was just a really nice surprise like it's there's some really like sharp performances it's well directed you think you know what's happening in you know one of those situations and you get a really nice pivot there. Um, the basic setup is a social media influencer. She's doing a solo vacation in Thailand because her boyfriend, he like either ditched her or like just broke up with her or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like doesn't come on the trip and she goes anyway because she needs to be doing influency things. Yeah. And, she, and she's there in the off season and she meets another woman her age, like the only other person her age there at um, the resort. And they sort of like a click and they start hanging out together. And, um, you know, this other woman's like, well, why don't you just like come stay with me? And da 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 da, like, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, okay. Um, but there are sinister intentions going on, um, possibly on both sides. There, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone's being completely honest. Some other people get involved on this little web, and it just goes somewhere. I I really wasn't expecting it to go. Um, Interesting. It's almost like two different movies in one, but in a in the best way. I had a I had a lot of fun with this one. Nice. Yeah, I've heard a, I've heard a lot of things about that one, but I've heard both a lot of things and not as much as you might think. Like from the people I heard about, I've heard it was very good, but it wasn't really on a lot of people's radar. I feel. Yeah, it didn't seem to pop as much as I as I thought it would. Um, and I don't I don't know if people like maybe were just sort of like, oh, I know what that is going to be, kind of thing, and like maybe dismissed it a bit. But it was I was pleasantly surprised. Nice. Well, for my number six, we are doing uh, the Danish film Attachment. Uh, Attachment, okay. Yeah. Directed and written by Gabrielle Beer. 
Uh, did you see this? No, I don't oh. even I know this film. Yeah, it premiered on Shutter the beginning of the year. It was in like February um, of the pa- this past year, so um, almost a year old now. But <clears throat> it's a Danish film, although a lot of it is in English, um, as that tends to happen with uh, your films where people sort of have a common language. It's English. Yes. Um, but um, it uh, is about this woman, Maya, who um, is a Danish woman who meets this woman, Leah, who's this English woman um, who's, like, in Denmark. I think she's, like, there on extended, like, sort some sort of, like, like, work thing or, like, an extended holiday or something, but they meet around Christmas, actually, which is kind of fun because Maya's, like, working as, like, an elf in, like, a Christmas-themed like story time and that's kind of how they meet um and they start a relationship um and that's going great but then leah one night has like what appears to be a seizure and she like really hurts herself she like hurts her leg during this and she's like oh i have to you know like i have to go home i have to like sort of you know convalesce at home back in england uh with my mom who she normally like lives with and maya's like oh i'll go with you like you know we're in a relationship. I'll go with you and make sure you're okay. So she goes, the the pair of them go back and Leah comes from a, a Hasidic community in England. So her mom, Hannah, uh, is like very, like she's, first of all, she's Orthodox. She's very like observant, but she's also like weirdly severe and weirdly like very protective, very hands-on when it comes to Leah like and she's kind of dismisses dismissive of Maya and not even in like a she's homophobic kind of way it's just like there's something going on um and Maya starts poking around the community and meets Lev who is Leah's uncle who also owns the like Judica bookstore and you know she starts to learn some things and there's clearly a family secret going yes. on with Leah's father who's passed and like something like there's weird things in the house that are set up in a very specific way um for you know and she's just like i don't know i'm not jewish is it just weird is it just something i'm not used to but it's like you know you obviously start to learn that it's like something supernatural going on um and it was really interesting um and i enjoyed it and i enjoyed the sort of like focus on the romantic horror element and then it like is a tight four-person cast which i really appreciate um something that can pull that off even though it's not like a a one room thing it's just there's only there's like a tight four-person story um but yeah i i really enjoyed it and it's uh it's on shutter nice i kind of it it reminded me a little bit of the one you recommended to me a couple years ago um that was on Hulu about the guy who was doing the like Shiva and like oh, yeah, shit happened. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a great movie. That is a great movie. Um, um this sounds this sounds great too. And I had never heard I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Um I found it just like poking around a while back on like different lists on Letterboxd, and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. So Yeah. And I, I love that. That's like the best too. When you're just like, oh, what is this little thing right here? Let me throw it on and see. And then you're yeah. like, hell yeah. You yeah. Know? So would would recommend. 
Yeah. All right. Well, moving into the top five for each of us. um, I've got at number five, one of the biggest horror movies of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, And that is Talk to Me. Okay. I have that a bit higher. Okay. Um, Yeah. And I, like, kind of from Jump, I was like, all right, I definitely know where I fall with this sort of, like, phenomenon, right? Because it was an instant phenomenon Mm -hmm. pretty much as soon as that movie came out. And I, like, I think it, it is an objectively, like, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Like it is well directed. The acting is great. There's it's like some incredible sound work, cool effects. Um and I enjoyed it overall. But like after like I don't know. I guess like the midway point or like after mm-hmm. the first act, it started to feel a little generic for me. Like, it was mm-hmm. like, okay, we're exploring grief through some various, like, tools in the horror toolbox. Right. And we've seen a lot of that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're watching Mia make a lot of bad decisions, which is something we've also seen a lot of before. And none of that's just inherently bad. It just, it sort of stopped the movie from, like, being something, like, amazing for me. But I still really liked it i think the idea of the hand is really sort of f- fascinating and interesting um i i'm not surprised that there's going to be a second one i hope this doesn't become too over mythologized about like well and they're doing a sort of uh pearl type thing right where it's about the so. the prologue scene essentially or what yeah. leads up to that yeah um, which I think will be okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, yeah, so, like, I really liked Talk To Me. Um, I was a little surprised at how much of a big deal it became. Um, and I think it's just, like, for me, it's... When you have the audience being, like, three steps ahead of the main character, you have to handle that in a really specific way. Mm-hmm. or it becomes kind of, or it it can become frustrating. And I think for me, it kind of became frustrating because I was like, Mia feels smarter than this to me. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't, she doesn't see that she's being deceived by like th- this entity, the entity of the hand. Right. And I felt that she should have been able to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever, but but she's grieving. I don't know. I'm talking in circles a lot. I feel I, like you're anticipating people being like, "What's the matter with you?" Putting that yeah, out because it was so popular. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I still really liked it. I guess yeah. I just didn't. I like can it. see. I can see though that, like, yeah, like it's like, and you know, I'll talk more about it when I when it pops up. But I can see the angle of like. The memes are new and interesting, but the topic is a little like you need to find newer ways to yeah if you're gonna do that. Yeah, I think that's a much tighter summation of 
how I was feeling. Thank you. It just it feels like you've already gotten into arguments with people about this and like we're just anticipating um and the funny thing is I haven't really. I'm just anticipating like all of these like talkies being like, fuck you. Yeah. Um no, I I, I respect that. Well, Save me from digging myself even further. Into <laughs> well, with, again, so- it's a movie that I liked because it's in my top five. <laughs> what is your five? <laughs> You're like, um, like somebody who goes into a film class and is like, I thought The Godfather Part Two was fine, and then like immediately has to like defend themselves. Defend themselves. I know this is this is one of my like most film broy opinions ever, probably. Like. And that's fine. Everyone's entitled to. to And I try not to be that person. Um, But I think the difference is, is like we're inviting that in. This is a safe space where you can share that, as opposed to just forcing that on people. Right. Yeah. And I, I have no interest in taking that away from anyone else. I've like, let's. Yeah. I am thinking about, and I thought about this yesterday when I was watching the thing about uh, your uh, your cousin um, when the thing was on at the murder cabin. Uh, around Halloween and we were truly just talking about the movie like stating objective facts about the movie and he pops in and he's like you're not allowed to say anything bad about my favorite movie <laughs> and it's like I don't know if you I don't know if you were there for that but um I don't know if I was there, but it's also like no one's gonna say anything bad like <laughs> yeah I was I was like we're just we're stating objective facts like like it was like five minutes in it was so talking funny. about the thing he I mean, was like, I, don't, don't say anything bad about my favorite movie. You're not allowed. My my big memory of, of, of the thing from that weekend was just, um, we missed out on playing the game. Yeah. Because we, had been, we, we were had, in the hot tub. We had been in the hot tub, but then when, <laughs> there, was, there was some frustration from the folks who were playing the game. The thing. That was the board game. Was like, I'm going to fucking choke you. And it turned out that he was right. Yes, he was. <laughs> Um, anyway, this is a safe space to, to share your controversial opinions. Um, so, uh, for my number five, and this is one I think I've bugged you about a few times, uh, but it is Brooklyn 45. You know, I am so mad at myself that I didn't watch this before. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was, uh, written and directed by, uh, Ted, uh, Geogen. I believe is how you say his name. Um, and it is, it's so interesting because I feel like I haven't really seen this pop up anywhere. Um, it came out like over the summer, which is goofy because it's a holiday movie. Um, it takes place during friends gathering like two days after Christmas. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, it's on Shutter. It, uh, came out it like premiered at south by southwest earlier in the year and shutter picked it up and uh put it on the platform in june of this past year um but it is about a group of like friend well friends slash comrades because they're all military veterans it takes place in 1945 at the close of world war ii and it's a group of friends who all serve together in world war ii who are meeting like over the holidays for like drinks and stuff and they decide to have a seance and it's a one room you know closed door um love it real real time um film um and they go through the seance and 
sort of as that happens, you start to learn things about them and their relationships and sort of things that they did during the war. Like, there's a lot of hints of, like, stuff about, like, Mm. war crimes and, like, things that they're not super proud of. Um, Two of them are a married couple, which um, also adds a little drama to things. Um, The one... um, guy who the guy who's like hosting the seance um his wife recently killed herself um this is like in the setup of of the movie and you learn in the beginning she killed herself because she like was having this belief that her neighbor was a german spy for hitler and nobody believed her um so that starts to come into play and stuff and it's just it's really interesting like it was like i was like, it's, like, a goofy tone, and it's on purpose. Like, it's, like, it plays with, like, um, having an almost, um, not Tim Burton, but, like, Ghostbusters-ish tone at times, but it, it does it in a good way. Um, like, it, it balances, like, the, there's a little bit of horror comedy in here with, like, this is creepy, and also, like, the topic of conversation and the topic of, like, what all these people are creeped out about is very creepy, for talking about World War II. Um, I was gonna say, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, I was just gonna say, like, that, that's interesting, because it sounds like it's going through, like, and exploring some pretty heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, uh, Geojin like, wrote it with help from, like, he had interviewed his father before his father died, who was an Air Force veteran um, in World War II. Um, I, and was also, was also a history teacher. Um, so a lot of it's based on, like, different stuff that popped up with that. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was really good. And um you know, you can obviously watch it anytime. It is definitely, I would say, a holiday horror film, if just because, like, the setup for it is, you know, that it but, takes place around the holidays and Christmas, but it's not like Krampus or anything. Like, you can watch it whenever. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I missed the window. I have to wait for the holidays to roll yeah. back. Which you can. Like, you know, I it, it wouldn't, it, I would not begrudge you waiting until until the holidays for it. But, um, and I literally, and I, ha- I literally, I had a moment last month. I was like, you got to watch Brooklyn 45 at some point in the next couple of days. And then, I mean, you know how December goes. Like, yeah, we turn around. Listen, it was like two days till Christmas. And I was like, I got to watch Muppet Christmas Carol. I got to watch <laughs> How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, it's wild. Because it's like, you want to watch your Christmas horror. And then you want to watch your regular Christmas movies. And then, like, you're just existing that month. And it's insane. Yeah, I ended up watching The Holdovers. Like, I want to say, like probably a week and a half into January and it's just like whatever fuck it. I I wanted to get that in before Christmas. But I, I got it was that the holdovers was my last movie of the year. I watched it New Year's Eve. Um, oh well that's a there you go. Yeah. I finished it like five minutes before we had our we hopped on the phone. <laughs> on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um holdovers sidebar. Great movie. Yeah, fantastic. Um yeah, that sounds really good. It was definitely on my radar. You know, you were definitely talking to me about it. Um, I will get to that one at some point. He did, uh, Yogan did um, We Are Still Here. I don't know if you've seen that. I've heard of it. That's that's a really good movie. Yeah. I, I follow him on Twitter, I think. He's pretty involved with, like, the community. 
All right. Um, well, I guess I'll tell you a little bit about my number four. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen this or not. As I quickly pull it up, it's page on Letterboxd. All right. It looks like it's on your watch list. All right. My number four is um, Damien Rugna's When Evil Lurks. Yes. And the amount of times I've almost put that on and then been like, <sighs> do I feel like watching <laughs> subtitles and... Sure. Something, <laughs> something you've got to think about. Do uh, I have to? Do I have the brain space to to process two things at once? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, because it is in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Um, something else to consider whenever you are figuring out is now the time to watch it. Um, it is dark. Like, yeah. it is bleak. This is not. <laughs> this is. There's not a lot of um light in this movie, mm -hmm. as it were. Um, but it's good. It is um so it's from the so it's from the director of Terrified from like 2017. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very scary film. Uh this one, kind of the same thing, doesn't pull any punches. Um, it's very ruthless. It's essentially a pandemic by way of possession movie. Okay. So it's about a small town where, like, slowly but surely, like, demonic infestation is taking over. Oh, okay. And yeah. clear to the residents that mm -hmm. that's happening as well. Like, truly awful things are happening. Um and so the people who are like not infected are doing what they can to s try and stop sort of like the tipping point from happening. It's interesting because this reminds me of a book I read a long time ago where it essentially did the same thing where it treated demonic possession as like a virus you catch. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There was a very different tone to that book though than it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, this one's um, this one's nasty. Um, not for the, the weak stomach for sure it's also one of those movies you know um i feel like th there's been that argument in like recent years that like horror has become really safe for kids or that mm -hmm. are that like children are not in danger in horror movies anymore mm -hmm. um not in this one the kids are getting killed left and right <laughs> so um so yeah it's uh it's definitely, um, there's some images from this movie that are, like, gonna, gonna stick with me. Um, interesting. And it's not, like, it's, what's really interesting is that it's not, like, over the top with its violence. It's just really intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a sticky one, but it's okay. it's well done. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. So what's your, what's your four? For my number four, again, I'm not going to apologize, and I'll be taking no further questions. At number four is M. Thregan, Megan, um, <laughs> <laughs> directed by uh, Gerard Johnstone. Um, uh, written by Kayla Cooper. I feel like I don't have to super explain this one uh, because 
this was like this had people in a chokehold from like the first trailer um and it came out in january like top of the year made a crap ton of money Mm. um i just found it very fun and like you know there's so much about it that is just like it's it was fun i mean my one criticism of it is that it definitely was a pg-13 horror film which isn't bad you know maybe i shouldn't say that's a criticism that's a good thing to have i will say the uncut version like there was really no difference which was kind of annoying um because i feel like it could have been fun to see a version of this that had like a lot more um that it was willing to do but i don't like as a as a pg-13 horror film like it it's it rocks like you know it's a very good pg-13 horror film um i thought it was it's very fun good gateway horror um yeah or like or, or like or like the first ring out from gateway horror maybe yeah like you, you should know. have like you know like and like you had kids doing the like megan dance on tiktok yeah. and stuff like that was that was instant like just you know infectious on the internet um obviously megan in that scene in particular played by um the very talented uh previously unknown now i think fairly well known at least in horror uh amy donald who is a dancer from new zealand who's about 12 or 13 years old um and sometimes not sometimes but kristen chenoweth went as megan for halloween and it was very funny that's right. I don't know and if anyone saw her Instagram. Not as many Megan costumes as I expected at Halloween. No. Yeah. No, but Kristen Chenoweth led the pack in that. But um, yeah. I mean, everyone I think knows this one probably, but um, it basically involves a um, young girl played by Violet McGraw, who I loved in Haunting of Hill House. Um as uh young nell um and mike flanagan's version um as like the recently orphaned like child who's like living with her aunt and has to like like is having like you know obviously problems from the fact that her parents got you know brutally killed in a car accident that she was also involved in um so she makes her a robot friend (laughs) you know um as you do i think perhaps my favorite scene and i'm not going to give it away because i feel like everyone needs to experience this the way that i did but when she is tucking her in at night and she decides she's going to sing her a little song to help her sleep if you had given me like if you had a gun to my head and said give me 10 songs you think that this robot's about to sing to this child to this child if you if you said give me 20 or more that would not have been one you're, of them you're gone <laughs> yeah. um so anyway i just thought it was it was another one where it was like it knew what it was doing and maybe that's like my theme of my list this year is that there's some stuff in here where it's like yeah it it doesn't necessarily have to be the scariest thing in the world as long as it knows what it's doing and what it's playing with um i i've I enjoyed Megan. There's Megan 2.0 coming out in January 2025. And already I feel like Megan's sort of spawning a um, subgenre with Abigail. The yeah. Trailer for which just came out last week. Um, which is very clearly Megan inspired. 
Um, so it's fun to yeah. see. We could we could have a totally new actually I, I think we will have a new subgenre on our hands. Um whether specifically like this or just because of like how prevalent AI has become and the conversations around, you know, sentient technology. Yeah. Um, Which this is not trying to say anything at all nope. about that. Nope. It's which I, which I also love. Like it's, it's just not it's just a mod- it's a, it's just an upgraded child's play, like an upgraded yeah. child. Yeah. yeah, it's literally like if we were to do that in in this. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was like the one of the first films I think I saw this year because mm-hmm. I like saw it like I want to say like the week it came out, maybe if not maybe at most the second week after it came out, but um. Incredible. Nice. I had like I I hadn't forgotten, you know, forgotten, forgotten about Megan, but I was just sort of like, oh wait, of course that's in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, coming in at number three for me, um, is Evil Dead Rise. Okay. Back. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was totally gnarly. I loved the apartment building setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was just a really cool set piece to um, set an Evil Dead movie there. Everything from the actual apartment itself to the hallway to the parking garage finale. I was just like totally on board. Um, uh, I don't think it was the best Evil Dead movie mm-hmm. in the franchise. And I think... There were a little, you know, a couple moments where I was like, oh, you you actually could have stretched that a bit. or That mm-hmm. was maybe a missed opportunity. Like, I think you could have done even more with the apartment building setting. Um, but I still thought it was, like, a hell of a lot of fun um, and just wild. And uh, that Alyssa Sutherland was just, like, one of the best, like, possessed deadite mm-hmm performances yeah in, in the franchise um i had a lot of fun with that movie so mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of what i was looking for i was like look this movie's not perfect um but it, it gave me what i wanted it gave me things i didn't know that i wanted and i can you know forgive it it's a couple flaws because of how much fun i had with it so yeah that's why it's oh. so high for me yeah, I'm into it. I like it. And, like, I've never been huge on Evil Dead either. I think that's also part of it. Um, yeah. So, but um, I will say one thing I did appreciate about it was the sort of um, sticking to the aesthetic of the, was it the 2014 one? 13. 13. Um, I really enjoyed that one. I thought that was great. Yeah. So I was into, like, a, the sort of, like, aesthetic sequel to that one if you will um supposedly there's talks of bringing like all three storylines together like i wouldn't hate it i'm into it you know ash would meet well and he appears in this one in the form of the the record yeah yeah so continues Um, his his streak so we'll see we'll see how that plays out nice So it was, uh, what came third for you? So three for me, and I put it in this spot because I really enjoyed it, but I had never seen the original. 
I know that a lot of people didn't love this in comparison to the original. This is a remake of a 2014 film. Uh, this one is called uh, Malum. Oh, okay. Is the t- remake of the 2014 Last Shift. Um, this is directed by uh, Anthony DeBlasi, um, who wrote it with Scott Pulley. Um, anyone who saw Last Shift, I believe it was like on Netflix back in the day when like you could find really good random horror films on Netflix. Um, I think that's I, right. Yeah, I remember passing it several times. I never actually watched it. Um, but, you know, I under, like, and, like, I get it. People who are like, I love Last Shift and this sucks. Like, I get it. So this is, like, me um, being like, oh, yeah, this is the first time of me seeing any of it. And I really enjoyed it. And this is the first version I saw. And it's the one that came out this year. So it's the one that's going on the list. Yeah. Um, but for anyone who's not seen it, um, it is another single location horror film. Um, it is about... Um, a woman who is a rookie cop um at a like a and now defunct like ready to close police station like they're opening a new one and she's doing the titular for the 2014 film last shift um at this um police station she's like the only one there because that's safe and smart um yeah you know so she's the only one there but there's a a bit of a history there her father had also been a police officer he worked at the station and he was implicated in a sort of mass murder event that took place at the police station um when they brought in a um man who was like leading a cult who was like arrested for those activities and um some supernatural shit starts happening um and it's very creepy and very cool and i really enjoyed it and at some point i will go watch last shift um but this was the first one i saw um and malum the title of it comes from the john malum was the the guy the cult leader um who worshipped uh i forget like the 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 like Con- like the sort of like thing with his cult you know how each cult has a thing i forget the thing sure. with his um yes. but the sequences of it were very cool that they showed of the cult of the demon of um all that stuff so yeah there's a demon involved obviously because there's a cult um but really enjoyed it thought it was creepy i'm sure last shift will be very good and i'll like that one better and nobody you know not that anyone has yelled at me but i can anticipate people doing so but um again this is a safe space yeah yeah so anyway that was my number three nice i um yeah i remember you talking about that and really enjoying it i guess when you first saw it last year Mm -hmm. um i have i've seen last shift but i haven't seen malum um i remember like hearing about that and being surprised i was like that's so interesting that like last shift had enough sort of like heat to get it a remake you know yeah. um that's kind of cool yeah I, i'm curious to see the the differences um and because like I've, I've only seen laugh shift once but a decent number of parts still stick out for it to me and i don't like it was definitely like lower budget but i don't remember it being like 
you know. And this didn't seem like it had a huge budget either. I mean, it was, it's, like I said, single location. I, you know, it was, I mean, like, there's, if you look at the cast list, there's a lot of people in this movie, but I do feel like, like, thinking back on it, there was, like, there was really only, like, three or four, like, prominent people in the movie. Like, you know, so that wasn't huge. I think a lot of the effects were practical. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's some debate on how expensive versus less expensive versus more expensive that can be compared to CGI, depending on how you're paying your effects artists. But, um, you know, it didn't feel like this had a huge budget. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Rock on. Yeah. All right, well... um. Coming in at number two for me, um, second favorite horror movie of the year was my boy M Dog's uh, Knock at the Cabin. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, sort of like in classic M Dog fashion, a lot of people were into it at first and then not so into it. <laughs> um, you know, I I think he's been back. Um, I think his last couple of movies have have actually been pretty good i this one included mm-hmm. um i thought there were some really really great performances in this movie dave bautista in particular being a huge standout for me um it is a little bit different from um the book it's based on paul tremblay's mm-hmm. cabin at the end of the world um and I I do have some thoughts about the ending and, you know, what it kind of says because M-Dog changed it a bit. Um, but I, I don't know. I still, I still really enjoyed it. Um, I found it. disturbing in a way that um i think a lot of people misinterpreted like there was a lot at some point where people were sort of like oh the film comes off as homophobic and it's you know they're being punished because of that um and i didn't read it that way um i read it as sort of like a A, a mirror and a deconstruction of like dangerous fundamentalism and religion mm-hmm. um and yeah it, it was it was very effective for me it was very um icky i felt icky watching the movie in a good way in a fun way um and thinking about sort of all of the implications of of that story particularly with the change in the ending mm-hmm. uh, yeah i just i i was i was on board and i'm still on board yeah i uh i didn't have it it was on you know it wasn't far outside my top 10 but um yeah i think like it's one of those things where i would have to rewatch it to because, like, I was watching it both as, like, you know, the film it was, and then thinking about how it was different from the book, and then thinking about, like, oh, like, but 
am I do I actually like these changes compared to the book like it's one of those like I feel like it's kind of a the shining situation where it's like you can start to look at them as two separate entities um with two different sort of goals yeah I I think I think that's what it is like this was setting out to do something a bit different from the book and I it felt to me like a lot of people who were dinging the film from the homophobic angle were straight viewers of the movie, interestingly. Mm-hmm. And it felt a little bit to me, I was like, I think you're kind of missing the point. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, because a lot of what I think he's getting at in the movie is about um, the hardships of like queer parenthood and mm-hmm. like, general um but a lot of like straight allies like jumps to this like really weird like QAnon space with it right and, I was well, like, and it's also that virtue signaling of being like yeah you're not doing it, it it this you know like like having this sort of like very specific when you're like somebody who's outside a group and you have a very specific way that you know how to support that group when something challenges it the, yeah. They tend to be the loudest people in responding to that sort of thing. So, yes, and I completely agree, especially on like, I mean, I'll just say, it, especially on a platform like Twitter, where like, right, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, just people people virtue signaling like you said are just looking to prove how sort of like leftist you are and anything that isn't like even tangentially about or anything that is about any sort of like faith like is immediately like right wing like MAGA stuff and it's like well okay like pump your brakes a little bit yeah um I just I've always liked the way that Shyamalan explores faith not religion like his movies aren't about religion i think his movies mm-hmm. are about faith yeah. um, and i thought this was an interesting sort of chapter in this conversation that he's been having um throughout his his film career so yeah, yeah. how about you what well, I th- so i think it might be make more sense for me to tell you my number one because my number two, I believe, is your number one. Interesting. Okay. So I'm going to tell you my number one. And I'm not going to go too much into it because we've already discussed it. Um, but my number one is Talk to Me. Um, okay. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the mechanism of the hand. Thought those sequences were incredibly creepy. Thought they did a very good job of being like, here's the rules. And don't break them, you know, and setting up that sort of instant, um, you know, tension with that. And obviously that's going to, you know, okay, we now know the rules. Obviously they're immediately going to get broken. Something bad's going to happen. Um, I hope the cast did an incredible job. Um, yeah, I do think, you know, there is something to be said about like, just sort of the, you know, and like everyone has their own way of like, sort of like in art, like, um, talking about these topics but um you know rehashing the idea of working through grief as a horror piece and that sort of thing is you know 
ultimately at the end of the day you're making something for consumption um and that's been done a lot um and there's a there's a lot that's been done with um you know grief horror specifically um i thought the final sequence while um you know like you said kind of very obvious um where it was going was effective and creepy and sad um so yeah i i really enjoyed it um for me it was my number one i understand why it was your number five um i will tell you my number two and then we can discuss it because i believe it is your number one uh and it is scream six correct yeah correct uh scream six shook out as my favorite horror film of the year uh second for you um we saw it together um we saw it together in theaters on opening day um yeah i i I think for me it was everything i wanted it to be and then and then some right like Mm -hmm. it was brutal it was bloody um there was fantastic use of the new york setting um Mm -hmm. I think the subway sequence was incredible. The subway sequence is incredible. And that was such a big part of the promo. So it had a lot to live up to and it met those expectations. Um, uh, the, you know, the return of the Kirby character and Hayden Pantier to the franchise was handled so fantastically. Mm-hmm. Um, there were really great twists on sort of like the formula we've come to expect from scream um just great great set pieces in in the apartments and the subway and the lair um Mm -hmm. that was that was excellent um sort of you know it was giving us everything we want from a screen film everything that's traditional everything we expect to have but still upping the ante and still pushing the franchise and pushing the series because you do still have to keep doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it handled Nev Campbell's absence really well. Like that, that was a big concern for me. I was like, ah, yeah. are you serious? Yeah. No. And it was done well. Um, yeah. Would, what do you think? Yeah, no, I I mean, like, I was a little skeptical when I heard that it was going to be leaving Woodsboro and going to New York. Like, obviously, I understood the reasons for that. Um, but it's tough to, like, you know, have a scream film that doesn't in some way take place in Woodsboro or, like, really reference it, like, the way that, like, because Scream 3 took place, like, mostly in Hollywood. <laughs> but, like, you know, it was very woodsboro with, like, their, like, friggin', like, perfectly to scale set of you know <laughs> people's houses and that sort of thing but um no i thought they handled it very well like i thought um it was also like the first screen film to take place like around halloween which was kind of funny yeah. um but no i really enjoyed it i think jenna ortega is incredible um michelle barrera is incredible um Courtney Cox had a lot to do in this now that she was like the only legacy character who came back and she did a great job mm-hmm. um, with her her man candy and her <laughs> penthouse in New York or wherever. That's, I think that's where she was. She finally got um, a phone call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she put him on hold. <laughs> yes. 
um yeah yeah that was a great what a great that was such a great set piece and the, the chase sequence and perhaps one of my favorite lines one of my top like like shot into the the echelon the upper echelons of my favorite quotes in this series was uh get your ghost face ass away from me ghost face as she pushes him like out of her subway car <laughs> Uh, that be right, but um, yeah, yeah. No, it's great, and um, having a lot of fun with it. It is, I will say, a huge bummer the turmoil that the series is now in. Yes, um, it is. Yeah, you know. However, that resolves is how it will resolve. But at least we have, as they say, we'll always have scream six. We'll always have scream six. <laughs> uh huh. Famous quote. Yeah, famous um, quote in film history. Yeah, it's 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 so weird the parallels this newer trilogy has to the original. Like the same thing happened with Scream Three, you know, delays and whatnot. And um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I really I hope something can be worked out. The latest was that I guess there might be conversations going on. With yeah. well, yeah, everybody involved. I, I don't know. It... My honestly, my gut feeling is that it's going to get worked out. We're gonna get some joint statement from I everybody. Think... Um, I... Sorry, but you know, I you know, it's a bummer right now. And you know, my thing with it is I have to stay away from Twitter about it because everyone's got an opinion about it. And everyone right. talks so definitively about stuff. And it's like, no, these are kind of the, like what happened are things that need to have, you know, need to be resolved via direct conversation amongst people that doesn't include people yelling on Twitter. Um, so, you know, I'm willing to let that whatever, let that play out. I do believe that um, Christopher Landon, no matter what, is no longer directing it. I think he's out. out. Yeah. He's but. Um, He's actually, I think he's on to like another project with some movie with werewolves. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think he just didn't have time to like wait around for them to to figure it out. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. And there was talk about getting, um, you know, Neve Campbell back potentially. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with all this stuff. They're being very quiet about it, which does feel like there's something going on. Um. But we'll find out in the coming months, I suppose. Yeah, we we are all only in a position to wait and see. Like this is between you know the studios and the players involved. Um, yeah, hope hopefully something can be worked out where everybody sort of feels okay and comfortable enough to like yeah. return to production. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Scream Six though. Yeah, it was a ride. It was a ride. A lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that was that's sort of a sort of roundup there. I would, I guess, I would say from uh from mine there that you haven't seen, mm-hmm. like it, we've kind of been doing like quasi pitches throughout, mm-hmm. but I would say like if you're gonna give priority to like one of them um that actually be really i'd be interested to see what you think about influencer 
Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be down to watch that for sure. I've almost watched it a couple times. Um, from my end, knowing that you've got a year until it's time to watch Brooklyn 45, <laughs> I will save that and, um, you know, say you should watch Attachment, since I think that's, well, yeah. now I'm two, but, um, you know, having seen Last Shift, I would say that Attachment might be an interesting one for you, just because um, it's very moody, um, you know, it's interesting. It's obviously not super twisty turny. You can kind of figure out what's happening. But um, I always like a film that goes, you know, when you're dealing with supernatural things that doesn't go the the um, instant like Catholic route with it. Yes. Um, so that's interesting as well. Also, one of my favorite lines um, in this movie is when she goes into like the the judica shop and she's like poking around and he's like can i help you and she's like trying to connect with like the the mother of her girlfriend who like is very cold and standoffish and she goes um do you have like books about like how to do jewish stuff (laughs) (laughs) so um and he's like he takes a pause and he's like no um (laughs) Anyway, so um, found it interesting um, and 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 good. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely really intrigued by that one. So yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about um upcoming movies that we're intrigued about. Yeah. For, uh, for what there's some things on the slate for 2024 that look um pretty interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there anything piquing your interest you wanna? You want to mention right off the? Well, I would say one thing that keeps popping up for both of us and for many people is Neon's Long Legs. Yeah. Which, no idea what that title's supposed to be. No idea. You know, know. these these teaser trailers are are nuts. But then if you read the, like, um, synopsis on, like, wikipedia it's like how is that involved (laughs) so yeah is there a release date for long legs there is not that i know of which also makes it weird it's gonna just like show up right i'm kind of thinking that too um yeah these like you know 10 20 second teaser trailers posters like they're really creepy (laughs) they're really mysterious just a quick little like byline there um Maika Monroe and Nicolas Cage are the leads Mm -hmm. um which is a fascinating combination and an intriguing one um I'm like in it looks (laughs) from what we can see it looks looks so creepy as hell yeah and neon's neon's good. They've had some some hits recently, so yeah. I have a feeling neon might be moving into the space that A twenty four is moving right. out. Right, with like how they had you know like they did they did parasite obviously they did Titan, mm-hmm. triangle of sadness anatomy of fall which everyone should see absolutely um, I believe they did possessor as well. Yeah, that was my favorite horror movie of 2020. Yeah, that was a creepy one. 
Um, yeah, they're definitely, as sort of A24 starts to get these bigger budget and starts to do these franchise films, I feel like they are sort of moving into the A24 um, auteur style um, film so. space. I think they're sort of like taking over that mantle um, in like the genre horror world, um, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, Long Legs looks great. I'm really excited about um, the new Strangers trilogy, mm-hmm. um, which were all written and filmed like back to back. And it's just the Strangers chapters one, two, and three. And I believe they're all coming out this year. At least chapter one is for sure. Um, pretty excited about that. Yeah. Um, I am in. No, no. No, just gonna say just that there's a couple other franchises getting other installments as well. Mm -hmm. Um, like the first Omen. First Omen, which is somehow not just the Bible. Yeah. Like. Um, Um. Okay. Well, the Omen involves his like conception and birth and adoption. So. Yeah. What yeah, exactly? I'm not sure how that's gonna. How that's gonna go? I am intrigued by Alien Romulus. Alien Romulus. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. I does that. I think that do- doesn't have a release date either. Oh no, it does. No, I think. Does it? August sixteenth. Just checked. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Oh my god, there's a set, smile coming out. Set between Alien and Aliens. Alien and Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Maxine. Uh, Maxine. I don't think that has a release date yet. Um, I don't think so, but it is... It's slated for rap, this year, though. I think they did rap filming, yeah, so it should be yeah. good to go. The concluding chapter of the X Pearl trilogy. Yeah, which I need to watch Pearl. Ah, so good. So, gotta get around to that. Although, Mia Goth might, I guess, be... Um, did you see that thing about what happened on set, maybe? I didn't. She got some weird stuff that she's been doing. We'll put it that way. Um, I, I think she, like, kicked a crew member in the head. Cool. And, like... <laughs> verbally abused him afterwards as well that's Um, fun yeah so we we love when you know actors for the sake of their art get a little too uh yeah yeah so are the new the newest horror darling may already be falling from grace yeah Um, that's unfortunate yeah unfortunate for the person she kicked in the head (laughs) definitely definitely um uh, yeah, let's see what else we got going on. Uh, Terrifier 3 is mm-hmm. coming out this fall, I believe. Um, or maybe even at the very end of the year, because I think it's set at Christmas. <laughs> so that'll Which be Which is wild. also when uh, Nosferatu is coming out. Nosferatu, yeah. Eggers. This is one that's been on his, like... It's I, I feel like it's a real passion piece for him, because I remember it was supposed to be the first thing he was going to do after The Witch, and then it kind of got pushed back. Yeah. Um, and it's finally happening. Um, obviously. That film's gonna be wild. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Bill Skarsgård, Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nicholas Holt, right? Nicholas Holt, career weirdo. Nicholas Holt. Uh-huh. Emma Corrin mm-hmm. uh, of The Crown and Murder at the End of the World. 
One that I'm excited about that I recently learned about, and it's really just me who's excited about it, is the Witchboard remake. The Witchboard remake. That no one asked for. Um, <laughs> that's starring Jamie Jamie Campbell Bower. Like, that's crazy. Um, you will be first. Also, <laughs> I will be. It um, also does not have a release date yet, besides that it is uh, coming out in this year um they had an interim agreement that allowed them to continue work during uh the sag after strike so uh, they were on time um but yeah um what else what else oh um one that's has been getting some chatter for a while is cuckoo interesting which I think has finally gotten a release date for this year as after being potentially um, anticipated last year, um, but got pushed back or whatever. Dan Stevens, I think, is is the lead in that film. Oh, oh, you, you know what? That sounds familiar. Yeah, and there's yeah. it's 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 a very like under wraps situation, but there's been a lot of like from the set behind the scenes. Sh- stuff that has said like this is going to be wild um, yeah he he honestly he feels like since he got um since he asked to be killed off <laughs> since he got car crashed on downtown abbey. since he got murdered on downtown abbey he's really like sought out doing like just the crate like because he's also i believe an abigail the um is he really? okay yeah i believe he's an abigail which is the um Megan-esque uh, film yeah. about a group of kidnappers who kidnap a, a vampire. A ballerina yeah. vampire. A ballerina vampire. Um, so he'll have a big year, it sounds like. Yeah. Melissa Barrera's in that, too, so. Nice. There's that. And Car- Carlo Esposito. That, that's, all, that's a very strange collection that's of people. Strange. Oh, another one that I think was originally going to be last year and got pushed back um, that I've seen, like, early good stuff about was um, I saw the TV glow. Okay. um, About, like, these two teens who, um, like, form a friendship over, like, um, this obscure television show that they both love. And then it gets... Oh, that sounds sick. The television show gets canceled. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, as they, like, look into why, like, things things start to blur between, like, the real world and the world of this, like, strange television that, show. That sounds like a, a great premise. I'm, like, already on board. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about it last year and being like, all right, this sounds sick. I'm in. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff. And I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that will pop up that... You know, will take us by surprise. Oh yeah, which is which is half the fun of it all. A couple. Well, I don't. I'm only thinking of one big horror release so far, which is Night Swim. I don't know if anything else has gotten a theatrical release. Not not yet, I believe. I haven't heard great things about Night Swim, but I still gotta see it. Yeah, I would still like to see it. 
I also don't necessarily want to see it in the middle of winter. Yeah. Um, right. I want to. I want to be able to do a pool thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So curious. I mean, curious release in the sense that you know it's obviously off season, but it makes sense because in some ways January is still the dumping ground. Yeah. Although that's that's changing somewhat. We we got some good stuff the last couple years, and mm-hmm. this year, I guess not so much. Like Megan was released in January of last year. It was. That's yeah. real staying power. Yeah. And so was um, Five Cream. Oh yeah. That was yeah, released in January. That. Yeah, that's right. Yes, we had like two two years in a row, at least, of like solid horror films like leading the way and then kind of dropped the ball, I guess, in 24. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, All right. Good. Well, lots to look forward to. Um, lots, of course, still to, always still going to be stuff to catch up on from last year and years before, but that's the fun of it all. Um, there will always be something to watch. Yeah. So um, I think we will wrap up episode 117. And if folks would like to share with us your thoughts on our top 10 or um, what your favorite movie horror movies of 2023 were or what you're looking forward to in 2024, we'd love to hear all of that. Uh, Ms. Mao, where can they let us know about all those things? They can let us know about those things at our email at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. You can tweet us at splatterchatter666, uh, minus all the vowels in that handle. Um, You can check out the website at splatterchatterpodcast.com. You can go on Tumblr, put us, put something, I think they still use ass boxes in Tumblr. Not ass boxes, ask boxes um what an intriguing idea yeah and an ass box we have both at our tumblr splatterchatter.tumblr.com uh you can find us both on letterboxd uh just under our names um and find uh a very helpful list that uh, mr craigers has of all the uh films that we've covered on the podcast that's right. And right after we finish this episode, I'll be putting up my list of the 10 films I just discussed. Yes. With you guys as well. Um, so, yeah. This will close out our January episode. We will be back in February. No settled topic yet, so we won't announce anything, but do be on the lookout for that. Of course, between now and then, we want to remind you to keep up the creep. And for now, we will say au revoir, adios, and das